16. Let's get right behind it. And uh, what we'll do is we'll try to have group participation. So turn to the scriptures as quickly as possible. And then if I ask you to read, um, I don't know all your names yet. Just give me a little time. But I'll point at you. And uh, don't start ducking when I point. Or don't duck when you see me panning. So we all want to be together in this. And then... If you will, lift your voice and speak loud, especially the young people and the ladies. If you'll just speak out, we've got a mic, uh, but we're also recording this. So we want to be able to pick up the words there the best we can. So everybody love the Lord. All right, let's read here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so we just want to speak tonight on the word of God. Let's, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads to you and we want it to, as a body of believers, as people the elect that you have called out in this day, we bow our heads in reverence and thanksgiving, Father, for all your blessings to us. Lord, you've given us roofs over our head, food on our table, our health, and we're happy for that. But there's no greater blessing that you have given us like the revealing of this word. And Father, it means everything to us for you to break the word of life to us, for us to see truth as you reveal truth and for us to walk in truth, that we might be saved. Thank you, Father, for this word. We want to take this little Bible study. We want it to be edifying, Lord, to everyone that is here. We want to be built up in the most holy faith. We ask that you give us strength. Will your presence come down and just begin to burn these things in our heart? We welcome you here now. We love you with everything in us. Teach us, Lord, as we sit at your feet. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. Of course, there's all kinds of organizations, denominations, names, and all kinds of banners that we could could fight under in the world, but uh, we are Bible-believing people. That's what separates us from all the world and all the denominations. We are Bible-believing people. And I want to talk just a bit about this book that we believe because it is different than all sacred books in the world that it has been preserved through the histories, but we believe that this word is God in letter form. You believe that? And every revelation that we believe must come back to this scripture. Whatever we believe about baptism or doctrine or whatever we believe, must come back to the word. And that's the beauty of the message that we believe. Because everything Brother Branham taught, we can bring right back here to the scripture. He refused to move from the scripture. And the scripture is the very foundation of our Christianity. It is the very base from which we build. Without the word of God, we're like a ship on a sea without a sail. We're like a wandering star out in the eternity somewhere. But by the grace of God, we have a foundation under us. We know why we're saved, how we're saved, and the approach to God. There are 66 books in the Bible. And there was probably about 40 different writers 
in the Bible. 66 books make up our Bible. Around 44 writers, but there's only one author. And there was a 4,000 year span that the Bible was written. And so, 4,000 years, 44 different writers, hundreds of years apart, even up to 1,600 years apart, and the Bible doesn't have one error in it. There's not one flaw in it. It predicts the most important events upon the earth, and it doesn't miss. You go into the book of Daniel, and the accuracy is just unbelievable. And you can study it, and it's hundreds of years before it happens, and all of the prophecies dovetail together. This is a supernatural book. And all the prophecies, all the symbols go perfectly together. Daniel, hundreds and hundreds of years before John, and they just tie right together. Genesis ties with the book of Revelation. And Brother Branham said even Paul, when he received the revelation of God, he didn't see Peter for many years. But when he saw Peter, they saw eye to eye in doctrine. Because it was the power of the Holy Spirit in the prophets that tied these things together. Now listen closely. If we would take the last 300 years and we would compare medical books for 300 years apart, different writers of medicine, we'll find they vastly differ and contradict each other. Vastly. Let's just say 100 years. If we went back to the books of 1900, you'll find it's a vast difference even in uh, our best science of medical science. Just like uh, uh, Washington, when he was dying, he said, maybe I need a good bleeding. And so they pull his toenail and try to bleed him a little. Yeah. Well, what if you would try that today? It's nonsense. It's, it's archived. It's gone. Yeah. See, but the Bible isn't like that. The Bible don't miss a beat. It's perfectly. That's the same with science and all of those different things, but the Bible has not one contradiction. It's absolutely infallible. Because the Holy Spirit wrote the writ. Now, I want to I I uh, say a jolting something. Why do denominations contradict each other? Why is there a, a 40,000 different denominations that don't fellowship with one another, don't agree with one another, If it was a work of the Holy Spirit, then it would be in harmony like the Bible. So we can actually look at denominationalism and see the Holy Ghost is not behind it at all. Isn't that simple? So it says all scripture is the inspiration of God. Listen to me closely. All. Can you say all? All All scripture is the inspiration of God. So what it means is that two doctrines of the Bible cannot contradict if all Scripture comes from God. Ain't that simple? So can there be two doctrines that fight? Or can we eliminate any Scripture of the Bible if all Scripture is the inspiration of God? It can't be so. But how many understand the revelation that all Scripture is the inspiration Brother Branham said not 1%. Not 1% of of believers have this revelation that all scripture is the inspiration of God. Ain't that amazing? 
And he said, and then he says this, if all scripture is the inspiration of God, then all verses must dovetail together. (laughs) Amen. And let's give the example of how many know there's a doctrine in the Bible of predestination? How many know that there's a doctrine called reprobation? Well, many a people won't have nothing to do with predestination. And it's a Bible term. Trinity is not a Bible term. <laughs> but, but you mention predestination and they'll start backing off and they won't even look at it. Well, if all scripture is the inspiration of God, then we should be able to have enough respect to God to say, I'm not seeing something right. I'm going to dig until I understand. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal that. Same with reprobation. That you say, well, how did, how can you be predestinated to damnation and predestinated to life? There's got to be an answer, and they won't contradict. But there's a revelation or a mystery hidden between those two. Ain't that right? Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 10, verse 35. John chapter 10, verse 35. All right. You want to read for me? And if you will, just read aloud verse 35. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him who the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because of Okay, that, that's good. And he said, if you call them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot, now this is Jesus' words, it cannot be broken. So if the scripture is the inspiration of God, then we should be able to apply any scripture of the Bible to this day. Meaning that 1 Corinthians 11 with the hair, that scripture cannot be broken. And it is the inspiration of God. So we can go in the Bible and say no scripture of the Bible can be broken. And that the words of God are eternal. Turn with me to Psalms 119, verse 89. Psalms 119, verse 89. Everybody got it? Okay, Sister Wilson, can you read it? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. heaven. Brother Benham said before there was a speck of stardust. When God spoke the word, that word was eternal. Meaning that that word can never be altered. Because the Bible, the, the, the value of the scriptures can never be lost. It can never diminish. Meaning that the word, the promise of the Holy Spirit is just as fresh right now as the day God spoke it. The the promise of healing is just as powerful, just as real, and just as tangible as the day that he said it. God cannot 
detract. God cannot alter it. God can move back from it. It's just as real, just as fresh. And the word of God is forever settled. Amen. Amen. So this is the approach to God. God will never turn you away and accept someone else. It's good for us all. It's good tonight until God calls us home. If you will, Psalms 119 verse 160. Psalms 119 verse 160. Joseph, do you have that? Read that for me. Okay, so God's word was true from the beginning. They'll say, well, that was Old Testament and this is New Testament. Hey, God had a plan in his mind. He never done away. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He never come to do away with the Old Testament. But it was actually true from the beginning. When God spoke it, he spoke it, the eternal truth, the logos, the concept of God came out with that word. And God was looking down to the end and that word was going to take form and keep developing and keep growing and keep expanding and keep progressing. He would never alter it. It would just be a continuation, continuation of salvation, a continuation of God's word growing bigger and brighter unto the perfect day. Ain't that right? So his law is perfect. His word is true from the beginning. Psalms 19 verse 7. Psalms 19, verse 7. Do you want to read? Verse 8. The law of the Lord is perfect. Who are we to correct God? Who are we to challenge God? Ain't that wonderful? The reason that this word is so special, unerring, there's only one thing that's perfect. And that's God. See, but God is his word. And I know you know this very well, but for the sake of the Bible study, let's look at it in John 1. St. John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Can you read for me? Okay, and read verse 14 now. Very good. Very good. Okay. So God is his word. God is his word. All scripture is the inspiration of God. So we can't, even if we don't understand it, we can't undermine it. We must obey it. We must believe it. Isn't that right? First John chapter five, verse seven. John 
Josiah. Is that, are you in, no, you need first job. I need someone in first job. Do you have, go ahead. Now, last, last week, we were on the Godhead. And when we were in the Godhead, I said, now, this is very important that John put this in here. And it's amazing that John wrote this. That there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Now, I think we may have talked about this last week, that, and maybe not, But the only way to get away from God is to get away from His Word. The only way to find God is to find the Word. And so in every church age, Christ revealed Himself in the ages as the Word. In every age, He revealed Himself as the Word And Brother Branham said, don't let anything get between you and this word. Let nothing get between you and it. And he said, this word is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. And so uh, when, when Jesus went up to Mount Transfiguration and God said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And he is the word. He was saying all authority is in that word of God. And every revival throughout history has been caused by one thing. If you study history and revival, that every revival, and and there's no other court of appeal, every revival was caused when men got back to the word. And every age that came under the judgment of God and was corrected of God was because men got away from the word. So every messenger, their message was return to the word. Get back to the word throughout all history. And you can find it in the Bible and church history that this is God's, either he's pleased or he's angry. It's because of men's attitude towards the word. Isn't that amazing? How that can apply to our individual lives. How that can apply to our homes and our churches. That the only way to gain God's favor is by his word. Amen. And so this book... Is more than just a holy book or a a book of morals or statutes. But this is literally God in letter form. And we believe it that way. And so we can give our lives for it. We know that there's no heirs with this. The only heirs that there is is with us and our thinking. And this is to correct us and to bring us back. And this is why that this Bible, it was the top selling Bible of all history. But it has also been the most persecuted book of all history. Because the devil knows if if it gets into the hands of the people that he's got problems. And I would love, and we don't have time, I would love to just sit down and go through histories and show revivals that took place because men and women got back to the word and young people got into the word and it started a revival. I don't have time for that. But it was the most persecuted book of all history, all through the years, They tried to ban it, they tried to burn it, they tried to to stop it. But Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It will live on and on and on. And if he can't destroy the pages of the written word, 
then he will try to misinterpret the word, devalue the word, or change the people's view of the word to, to gain ground. If you think of Noah, people laugh at the story of Noah. And they try to challenge how could all those animals live on the ark. And You've heard arguments, I'm sure. You know, how in the world did he live in there? There was no exhaust. And, and there's only one wind. And how did they breathe? And how did they feed them? And, and how, how did they see in there? And you, you heard that. The whole thing was supernatural. There was no helm. There was no way to drive it. There was nowhere to steer it. There was no, there was no sails. It, it wasn't a boat. It wasn't a sailboat. It was an ark. But God wanted it that way because God was going to take it and move it to where he wanted it to go. He didn't want no one to have human ability to steer that ark. God wanted to steer that ark into safety. The whole thing was supernatural. I mean, how did the animals get on it? Supernatural. How did they breathe? Supernatural. (laughs) Do you love the Lord? It's a paradox. It's incredible, but it's true. Amen. And so they, they try to get on Jonah. You know, Jonah couldn't be swallowed by a whale. Brother Branham masterfully showed uh, God prepared Jonah fish. <laughs> the word is true, and you're an idiot. <laughs> We're all idiots. The word is true. I didn't mean that. It was a little rough. but So the word was preserved down through the ages. Okay, notice this, 2 Peter chapter 1. This is a good one, so make sure you write it down. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Brother George, my missionary companion, would you read for me? Uh, 20 and 21. Before you go any further, he says, knowing that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, now Peter's going to give the explanation why, Brother George. For the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay. So the Bible is of no private interpretation. Every one of us have different eyes. And they can actually, you know, do eye scans. And I mean, it's so everyone, every fingerprint is different. Every one of us have a different nose on our face. Every one of our noses, if we could just lay them out on the table, they'd all be different. Every one of us have a different voice. And if we're around each other any amount of time, and we get to know each other, you can call, not even say your name, and you can pick up the... It's amazing. Thousands of people, and every voice is different. And you can actually hear the voice and know exactly who it is. Ain't that amazing? So there's no two fingerprints alike. There's no two eyes alike. No two noses alike. Neither is there any two interpretations of the word alike. Because every one of us would read it and come out with something different. So it's impossible for God to interpret his word by groups and councils of men. It's impossible. It's impossible for us just two to see eye to eye on everything. Don't raise your hand, but husbands and wives, how many see perfectly in harmony with their mate? 
I said, don't raise your hand. Brother George, he's, he's already reached perfection. He's been waiting for all of us to catch up. <laughs> Be patient with us, Brother George. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> but no, even the ones you love, you don't see eye to eye with. I should ask his wife. <laughs> Let's see if we're in perfect harmony. <laughs> so, then, if we don't see eye to eye, interpret my mind. Have someone ever done something and you're like, what in the world are you thinking? And if you talk to them, they say, well, I was thinking this. You know, We can't even interpret one another's minds. How could we interpret God's mind? We're peanut brains. Really, we're peanut brains. We are finite. He is infinite. He has no beginning or end. His ways are not our ways. How in the world will we interpret the mind of God and correct the mind of God? This is insanity for people to think like this. So God condemns all men's interpretation. No prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. None. And we always want to make sure when we're talking to people about the scriptures, and I, and I always do this, uh, I say, now, I'm happy I will not argue the scripture, but I would love to discuss and reason together. I have one condition, and my condition is everything you say, you bring back to the scripture. And I, everything I say, I will bring back to the scripture. I do not want your opinion. And if they say, oh yeah, we're on it, say then let's start. And you'll find, they will find, that they're not as in harmony with the scriptures they thought they were. They're in harmony with the teaching. So, if all inspiration, knowing first that no prophecy, let's get this laid out to begin with, no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, here's the reason, For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of men. So this, Moses had no bearing on what was written. The prophets and the scriptures, they had no bearing. This is not by the will of men. This is not the opinions of men. But we were holy men of God, spake as they were moved or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Listen closely. So who is the author of the scriptures? The Holy Spirit. Meaning, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can interpret it. If the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures, then the Holy Spirit is the only one that can interpret the scriptures. Isn't that simple? The Holy Spirit is the author. Watch this. There's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three, they are one. John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14. Verse 26. Brother Stephen, will you read that for me? Could you just a little louder, please? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, 
He will teach you all things. This is the author of the word. Chapter 16, verse 12. Brother Tony, do you have the scriptures there? Could you read that in verse 12? Verse 13. Amen. So how was the Gospels written? Because, because Peter, John, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they were not prophets. John was, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote the scriptures and they recalled what Jesus said verbatim. And Brother Branham said it was actually the Holy Spirit that brought these things to their remembrance. And so they, that's how the Gospels were written and the very words that Jesus spoke and it was accurate. There's no flaw in it. Now, yeah, they came at different points of view, but it was very accurate. And then... That the Spirit of the Lord brought these things back to their mind. Watch what Paul says as Paul picked it up. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. You want to read? And just uh, real loud if you can. And read down through 12, 11 and 12. Amen. Amen. He was taught by the Holy Ghost. This is Paul who came years later. And he's saying this is not taught by the will of man, but the same one that brought these things to the disciples' memory is the same one, he said, that that moved upon me to write these things. This is not the will of God. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, Old and New Testament. And the evidence of the Holy Ghost, Brother Branham said, is to be able to hear what the Spirit is speaking in every age. He said, because the Holy Spirit is a teacher. That's what Jesus said, the Spirit of truth, when He comes, He will teach you things and show you things to come. He said, that teacher is an inward teacher. And in every age, the evidence is the same. God would bring the Word to the age... The elect would see it, recognize it, take it back to the word, and live out the word for their age. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 37. John 8, verse 37. Brother John Lay, my other missionary buddy, can you read that for me? You can't see the word because there's no place for you. That's why Cain couldn't, the word was right there and it meant nothing. He went out of the presence of God. Verse 47, Brother John. He that is of God, heareth God's word. He therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. 
That ought to make you shout. He that is of God hears God's words. It's everything. And it's the Spirit revealing it to our hearts. Young or old, no matter who you are as Christians, it is the Holy Spirit that reveals salvation to us. Ain't that wonderful? 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And I've got, a, I've got a lengthy reading here. I've got 3 through 8. All right. I need a volunteer here. Would you mind? 3 through 8. First of all, if you don't believe the word, you're a liar. If you deny the word, you're a liar. And he said, this ain't nothing new. This has been from the beginning because the word is true from the beginning. It's always been this way. It's the same Holy Spirit operating. Those in the prophets of old is now operating in the body of Christ. And he said, now the darkness is past. We're walking in glorious light. Ain't that wonderful? And watch this. No one has a right to interpret the word. None of us. Not one word of it. We have no thought coming, Brother Branham said. And you know, sometimes people handle the message very loosely. But do you know that this message was vindicated by God? It is the revelation of God to the age. Brother Branham, this is a direct quote. He says, as Moses called heaven and earth. To witness against anyone that would add one word or take one word away. So say I in the name of the Lord. Don't add one word. Don't take away one word. Say only what is on the tapes. We, our job is not to interpret the word. Our job is to preach the revelation of Jesus Christ given to this age. Amen. Watch this. Romans chapter 3 verse 4. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Sister Kathy? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man alive. Right there. Right there. Okay, God is true, and every man is a liar. So, how can a man be true if he speaks what God speaks? How can I be true in this age if I speak what the message speaks? Because this word was not Brother Branham. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if anyone says anything contrary to the word, he's a liar. Whether he be the Pope. Whether he be the Orthodox priest of Russia. No matter who he is, we are all born liars. But we are complete in Christ. 
Does that make sense? It is so important. If anybody has a gift, whether it be part of the fivefold as a teacher, as an evangelist, as a, as a pastor, our job is to preach the word in its purity. If we are a part of the body and helpers, as Brother Branham said, God would send messengers to the age and he rose up mighty helpers. If God raises up helpers, our whole goal in vision is to say what the Spirit said to the age. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Brother Branham said that when God addressed the age unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these things, because there was a messenger to the age. But every age finishes by saying, let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So when Luther was speaking, he was the angel to the age, but it was the spirit that was speaking through Luther. Ain't that right? So everyone that was a part of that age would say what the spirit had already said. And as soon as men began to interpret it, they denominated and the revival stopped and God moved on. Ain't that simple? Then, then we're solid. We're on solid ground if we leave the word alone. And believe the word like we're supposed to. Leave interpretations with God and we are to broadcast it to the world. You say, Brother Craig, is the word infallible? Then why is there so much confusion? The word is infallible, but men's interpretations are not. That's why we have all the problems as man, as human beings. So the Bible is the supreme authority of what we believe. And if the Bible is right, then the Catholics are wrong. If the Bible is right, all denominations are wrong. Ain't that right? And so, uh, and that's not speaking against people. That's just declaring that the word is right. We're all liars. (laughs) And that's us included. I mean, everyone. That's my name's in there. We're all liars and God is true. And and this ought to help us because there's no big eyes and little use. We're all wrong. God is right. We want to be right. So let's follow the word. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. Romans chapter 22 verse 18. I'm sorry. Revelations chapter 22 verse 18. Twenty-two, verse eighteen and nineteen, brother Joe, would you read that? For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written. Okay, so word infallible means incapable of error. Okay, so if the Catholic Church is infallible or the Pope is infallible, why do they change? See, but the word doesn't change. Now, we have a warning. If we add one word, we lose our part from the book of life. That's the warning that closes the end of the book. Now, I want to look at uh, verses that maybe look contradictory. 
because we know that no verses are contradictory, but it's our understanding of it. But let's just, let's just say, you know, which by the grace of God, he's revealed to us the truth of why Jesus said baptize the name Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and why the apostles baptized in the name of Jesus Christ all the way through the book of Acts. No one was baptized in those titles because Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But let's just use this as our example because someone would look and say, well, that, you know, my church don't baptize that way. Jesus said that we are to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So, you know, Peter made his mistakes. I'm going to stay with the words of Jesus and I won't go with the apostles. Have you ever, you ever heard that argument? So if we, let's take that argument. If we're going to follow Jesus' words and the apostles are wrong in the book of Acts, then the scripture is wrong. And the scripture cannot be broken. So, so what part do we believe and what part don't we believe? Maybe if a portion of the scripture is right and the portion is wrong, how do we know which is right? How do we know, how do we know there's a heaven? How do we know that there was really bloodshed? If we're going to take one word out of there, how can we trust any of it? So if we're going to follow Jesus' words and not Paul's words, then the scripture is wrong. And throw out the whole book. See, you've got to make the scripture perfect. So either the apostles disobeyed him, or there is a contradiction of the Bible, and the scriptures are false and cannot be trusted, or there's a revelation missing that we need for the Spirit to reveal it to us. And I guarantee that's always the case. So, so this is how we know that the book of Maccabees don't fit in here. Remember the, you know, the early church fathers, they looked at the book of Maccabees and they said it's not canon. You know, it's a historical book, but it's not canon. And they would go through the apocryphal books. There's many books that are not put in here. Many people go chasing those things, the book of Enoch and all of those things. They were not inspired books. How did they know that they were not inspired? Because they didn't dovetail. So they counted the, those books of no authority because they didn't dovetail. So if you can reject a book because it don't run in harmony with the rest of the books, then can't we do the same thing with doctrine? Where does sprinkling fit in the Bible? Where does Trinity fit in the Bible? So if, if those books have no authority, those doctrines have no authority because it don't run in harmony with the Bible. Then denominationalism doesn't fit with the Bible. And that means that you can discern right and wrong by following this, this uh, truth or this, to be able to discern right from wrong by seeing the harmony of God and the unchanging nature of God. Does that make sense? Watch, watch this, Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Galatians 1, verse 8. Brother Mickey, would you read 8 and 9, please? And verse 9. 
Now, who's speaking? Who? Paul. Well, the Holy Ghost in Paul. But Paul was the one baptizing in Jesus Christ's name in Acts 19. And he said, if you preach anything else than what I have said, let him be cursed. So who am I going to believe? Well, I'm going to believe Jesus' words. See, but that don't work. It's got to run in continuity. There's a revelation. Now, Brother Branham taught us in the Ephesian church age that the Antichrist came in very early and began to deceive the first age. And he said that, listen closely, that the Antichrist spirit will always deny the word. Even if it's, if it's small, they will attempt to deny the word. Listen, because this is very important. To be anti-word is to be anti-Christ. It's exactly what the prophet taught. To be anti-word is to be anti-Christ. And he said, this is not a rejection of the whole canon of scripture. He said, this is the rejection of one word. Who? He said, it's just the slightest deviation of the word. Jesus said, my words will judge you at the last day. How many knows that the scripture says that? Let's look at it. John chapter 12, verse 48. Let's look at that. John chapter 12, verse 48. Back there, could you read for me? Verse 48. Okay, so Jesus said now that my word will judge the earth. And that's exactly what we're doing now, is that we are judging and discerning truth from error by the word of God. We are judging whether we're in the faith by the word of God. Everything we see, we judge and discern. Everything we hear, we judge and we discern. it. But how could we do that if this wasn't dependable? We could believe anything. But because it's our absolute, and because it's vindicated by God, and because it's the blueprint of the church, we can judge everything we hear, everything we do, and can have an assurance that we are going into his presence because we have met the qualifications of the scripture. That's why we got to know the Bible. That's why we're here tonight. Notice this in Revelations chapter 1 verse 3. Revelations, chapter 1, verse 3. Sister Rachel, will you read that? Revelations 1, 3. Amen. We are blessed when we read it, when we hear the words of the prophecy, and when we keep it. He said, we are blessed. How many want to be blessed? We want to get the word inside our hearts so we can be blessed. And this, uh, Matthew chapter 4, 4. Let's turn there. 
Matthew 4.4. 4. Would you read, please? Amen. So we're familiar with this scripture, but Jesus is saying this word that we hold dear to us, it isn't something we butcher up or throw to the side or replace with doctrines and men's theories, but it's literally the very thing that sustains us in the spirit. It's the very thing that causes us to grow and to mature. And it don't matter how much we read it or how much we know it, you can receive something out of it every time you read it. It applies in a different way. It's so supernatural. It's actually food to our souls. Meaning if we need salvation, we can receive salvation. If we need healing, we can receive healing. If we need anything supplied, it's all in the word of God. It's our vitamins. It builds us up. And just like Brother Branham had said, he said, if, if you want to build up against immunity and disease, what do you do? You eat. Because it builds up the bloodstream. That makes you healthy. And Brother Branham said we are no stronger than our adherence to the word of God. Meaning we're no stronger than our revelation of the, of the Bible. That's as strong as you are is the revelation of the Bible. And Brother Branham brought out a point that was beautiful. He actually typed the bread of life to the manna that fell out of heaven. And that manna fed them and sustained them all through the wilderness for 40 years. So how long did the manna fall? He said the manna did not cease till they got into that land. And he said the Pentecostal blessing that fell on the day of Pentecost will not cease until we step into the millennium. And the word and the spirit, they are one. It is the food of our souls. Notice this in John chapter 6, verse 26. John chapter 6, verse 26. And I'm going to read this one because it's going to be a little bit lengthy. Everybody love the Lord. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles But because you did eat the loaves and were filled, labor not for meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And they said therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we might see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. 
All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I'll nowise cast out. For I am come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me. Every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. And the Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he'll, he saith, I come down from heaven? And Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father save which is of God. He hath seen the Father. He said... Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Listen closely. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And he goes on, you know, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. See, he said, I am that bread of life that came down from heaven. Christ came down from heaven. God became a man to give his flesh, to give his body, to give us spiritual life. He is the bread of life that came down from heaven. And Brother Branham said, You know, we eat fresh bread every day to live, but in order to live in the Spirit, we must eat of Christ. The bread of life is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Which communion is a symbol. Jesus said, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he said, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you'll die and so forth. But Brother Branham said, see, except you eat it, you'll die. You'll perish. You've got to eat Christ who is the word, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. He is the bread of life. It isn't a book, a history, but it's literally the revelation that's contained in this Bible. It is the revelation of God. He said, you you all will be taught of God. So it is not the written word, but the living word. He said, I am the bread of life because the word brings life to us. And only the elected will receive all the word. Every bit of it. Because all scripture is the inspiration of God. And only the elect will believe all the word. Do you believe that? And so Brother Branham said that a true believer must read his Bible and pray every day. He said that's more power than atomic bombs. I know we all love the word. We all love the word. That's why we're here. But it's so easy to let the devil rob us of our time in the scripture. And prayer. It's so easy. And the devil knows it. Especially in the fast-paced life that we got. 
that the devil knows that your communion with God is so important. Do you know sometimes when we skip a Bible reading or maybe a prayer, you may have a problem that day that could have been avoided had you fed on the Word of God. God actually will come and commune and begin to reveal things to you that you need for that day. And if we skip it, we miss out, and then we, we just make a blunder and we're, we're down because why, you know, why did I say that? Why did I do... We, all of us, God help us all to meditate upon the Word and to, to feed our souls consistently. Can you say amen? amen? And so we live by the Word, and I, and, and I wanted to read this to you. Brother Branham said, especially you young people. He said, if you live by the Bible, God will live by you. Amen. Because young people can feed upon the Word of God. And so it's God in letter form. Everybody love the Lord. Amen. Can I have just a, just a little more time? It says, all Scripture is the inspiration of God. And that word inspiration, if you get a chance to break it down, it means to breathe. To breathe out. And so it's saying that all scripture is the breath of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The word is the bread that brings us eternal life. Then he said, all scripture is the inspiration of God. It is the breath of life. Remember when God had made Adam, God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. He breathed life into Adam. Remember Jesus, when he looked at his disciples, he breathed upon them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they received that at the day of Pentecost because it was the life of the Word being breathed into them. When we receive the Word, we receive God. We receive the very breath of eternal life into ourselves. That's why we're born again, not by the corruptible Word, but by the incorruptible Word, the Word of God. Do you love the Lord? Then Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. If you'll turn there. John chapter 6. Brother David, would you read? Okay. They are life to those who regarded this life. See, our attitude, if we looked at this as a dead letter, we'd get nothing out of it. Brother Branham said if we read it as a newspaper, we get nothing out of it. But it's all about our attitude towards the Word of God. So he said, my words, they are life. It is the Spirit that quickens. And he said, then he said, my words are spirit. Because there's a logos behind it. There's a thought, there's a concept, there's a, a creative power. And I like this. Brother Branham said, God created the earth by the spoken word. So there was creative power behind the word of God. And Brother Branham said the same creative power is behind every word of God. If we receive it into a heart of faith. So God is our healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. There is a creative power behind that promise. If we'll just, our attitude is Lord, let your healing power come in me. I receive that word. I receive that promise. Ain't that, ain't that right? And no, so he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He says this in the same chapter that he said, I am the bread of, uh, of life that come down from heaven. Because they didn't understand how can this man give his flesh. He's saying this is spiritual. Turn with me, if you will, John chapter 6, verse 68. 
Brother Rissler, could you read that? Chapter 6, St. John, chapter 6, verse 68. Amen. Remember, this is when uh, the same chapter, everyone starts walking away. The 70 walks away. Everyone's walking away. We don't understand it. It's too hard. And Jesus looked and said, you're going to walk away? You know, don't let the door hit you. See, because the elect is going to catch it. And Jesus and and Peter said, Lord, to whom will we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. See, we know that these words, even though we don't understand them, they're life to us if we believe it, whether we understand it or not. It didn't matter if if he had an interpretation. It was his faith in that word that brought life to it. It is the word of life. Turn with me to uh, St. John chapter 1. No, not St. John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Brother James, would you read uh, verses 1 and 2? Everybody love the Lord. You're doing great. You're doing real good. Amen. I like how he said, we have seen it, we have looked upon it, our hands have handled it, the word of life. Because that word was life upon the earth. Is that right? Now I want you to listen real close because there are two churches. There's the true vine and the false vine. Both claiming to be the true church. Okay? Both of them. One is the true church. One has a name that they live and are dead. Okay, now I want to show you how the word brings life. Because one church, down through the dark ages, united with state, killed anything that didn't agree with it. Rome was responsible for the death of all the apostles save John. Rome was responsible for the death of 68 million Protestants, throwing them in the prison, banning the Bible, preaching in a tongue that the people didn't even understand adding purgatories and adding masses and adding uh, intercession with the dead and popes and cardinals and and, uh, adding all kinds of things and watch their religion through history. All that it ever produced was death. No signs of life whatsoever in the false church. But there is absolutely signs of life in the true church. If you follow in the... In the, throughout the histories that down through the ages there were signs, there was wonders there was revivals that followed the word of God and no signs ever followed the false church because it's the word of life and if you reject the word it's death so life comes by the word and the only way the true church has life is to receive the word and if you watch our message how do we know whether it's God or not Just by, and there's many ways to know this, but this message wrote, there were five risen from the dead, eyes of the blind open, 
the lame leaped and ran and the dumb spoke and, and you know, those that couldn't hear, they heard again. And even creation of squirrels, even raising a dead fish back to life, healing possums. Everywhere you look in this message, there was a power behind it that brought life and resurrection. There's life behind the word of God and there's life behind this message. And that life is breathed into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I live, you live also, he said. That ought to make you happy. This word is the bread of life. This word is the word of life. Our message is a message of life sent from God. Amen, that ought to make you happy. Remember that baby, it was dead for a, a, all day long. Brother Branham said, Lord, I saw a vision, I don't know, and it, wah! Just so many powerful vindications that this word is life. Remember, uh, remember Peter, they, they saw that man lame at the gate of beautiful, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. What did he have? (laughs) Only you have the words of eternal life. He had a hold of life now. When he grabbed a hold of him, it was like an electric shock. It just went through him and up he came. A man who never walked on those legs. Probably looked like broomsticks, no muscle mass. Brother Branham said, how did he get up? He said, the power of God lifted him up. He said, Georgie Carter was 37 pounds, hadn't walked in nine, mo- nine years and eight months. He said, and that little girl, at the command of God, stepped out of the bed and went running. He said, how? He said, the power of the Holy Spirit lifted her up. There's life in this message. And it shook the whole region, all those unbelievers that were persecuting the word of God, who despised the word of God. And Peter had boldness in his heart. And they said, you know, how? And everyone was shaken. And and Peter said, why look upon us as our own name or our own power makes this man whole? He said, but by the name of Jesus Christ who you denied, and you have denied the Holy One of Israel, you have denied the Prince of Life. Because the Prince of Life is the Bread of Life. He is the Word of Life. He is the Truth, the Life, and the Way. And he said, you have crucified Him. You have crucified the prince of life. Brother Branham connects that in the indictment. And he said, you denominations who wanted a revival have rejected the revival, the word. Because a revival is a word coming to the people. If they receive that word. I think every one of us ought to have a revival in our hearts. We have received this word in our lives. And every time a people received the word of God in their soul, it brought revival. It brought healing signs and wonders. Hallelujah. He said, but you have rejected the word that brought life. You have crucified the prince of life. And he said, I'm indicting this generation of Jews for rejecting the only life there is. Brother Branham said, you're claiming to have a revival and reject the word, which is the only approach to revival. How many need a revival in their lives? This word will bring you a revival. It will bring revival to your marriage and to your own experience and to your home and to our church. And Brother Branham said we can have a revival every day burning down on the inside. How do I overcome? He said keep the revival in you. How do you keep the revival in you? By the word of God. Don't ever let it become common. 
Don't ever let it just sit on the shelf. He's been too good to treat God's word that way. And so Brother Branham actually indicted this generation just as Peter did because they rejected the bread of life, the prince of life, the truth, the life, and the way. Because behind this word is creative power. Behind this word is healing power. There's enough power to get rid of your cigarettes and alcohol or whatever it may be and lift you up. Notice this in uh, Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 10. Young lady, what's your name? Okay, Sister Zoe, could you uh, read 10 and 11 and and just try to uh, read loud if you can. Thank you. You hear that? So God now has given us a mental allegory, something we can see. He said, my word is like the rain that falls from heaven. And he said, and it strikes the seed. And it begins to germinate. Something supernatural is happening under the people's feet. Could have been a famine all year long, but God will rain from heaven. It don't matter how long. And there's an effect when that rain hits the earth. There's an effect upon the seed that's laying there. And all that he said, my word, he said, is like the rain that falls from heaven and it brings bread to the eater and it brings life to all the earth. He said, so is the power behind my word. When it falls upon the elect seed, there's some kind of effect that happens. And a life that was barren in sin will begin to bring forth fruit and begin to have a testimony upon the earth. There's a power behind the word. There's an effect behind the word. And and Paul said this, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Christ is our life. The Word is our life. Then then the Bible says that the Word of God is a seed. Remember, Jesus said that. He said, the Word of God is a seed. He said, but you've got to put it in the ground. And did you know he said that a seed cannot grow in an atmosphere of wisdom? The word of God, this message, will do nothing in an atmosphere of knowledge. That's what Brother Branham said. He teaches that in uh, wisdom versus faith. He said that this word, I say the message because the message is the word. He said this word cannot grow in an intellectual environment. That's why Paul, when he met the pillar of fire, the word, he had to forget everything he knew. He said, I counted as dumb. That's strong language. That's strong language. That's, that belongs in the sewer. That I might know him in the power of the resurrection, the revelation of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. All my learning was nothing. I got nowhere. I actually was an enemy to God by knowledge. The Bible said the carnal mind is enmity with God. But he had to forget everything he knew. It has to be an atmosphere of faith that will bring the word. 
Now the word is to have an effect because Jesus said you, by your tradition, make the word of God of none effect. So if the devil can't ban the Bible, he'll try to keep the effect of the word off of our life. And that's what happens when we denominate or even in our minds. If we have a wrong attitude towards the word of God, it becomes of none effect. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. This is astounding. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. All right, someone on the back row. Can I get you to read? 17 uh, through 19. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's correct. Go ahead. Sorry. Before you go on, he said, now, he didn't send Paul to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. That word means neutralized. Meaning the cross will have no effect if I preach it in wisdom. Go ahead. Next verses. Amen. Amen. So the word of God is to have an effect in our life. And we've got to open our hearts to do it. Say, Lord, I want the right attitude. Young people, you want something in your life? You can have, I mean, the sky's the limit. Every one of us here, the sky's the limit if we can lay down ourselves. Lay down us and let the word of God have full effect in our life. Let it just say, Lord, I trust you. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be apprehensive. I'm going to open up the doors of my heart and I want it to have full effect. Wherever you lead me, I will follow and I trust you. How many say, Lord, help me have more trust? All of us, of course, we're human beings, but we got to lay that down and let the Spirit of God have preeminence. The Word is powerful. He said that in, in Hebrews 4. The Word is powerful. Sharper than any two edged sword. The Word has power in it. It has life and it has creative power in it. And Brother Branham said, the first church, when you watch them in the book of Acts, everywhere they went, he said, the word was demonstrating itself. And that's really a meeting. When the preacher preaches, steps back, and God comes behind it and begins to strike people. I've seen it. Where people are healed right in their seats, just sitting there. All of a sudden it opens and just just receive it right where they are. That is the word of God more powerful, discerning the thoughts of the heart and demonstrating itself to be true. That's the success of any ministry. That's the success. That's what we want in every service is to see the word, him, the person, come in our midst behind the word and bring forth effect in our lives. And Brother Branham said the word will will have an effect upon the predestinated. It had no effect upon the scoffers. It had no effect upon the critics. But it did have an effect upon a woman at the well. And she was awful. But boy, by the time the word got done with her, she was a testimony, still stands as a testimony. Ain't that wonderful? So God's word is to all ages. 
Whether it be Wesley or Luther or Calvin, or it's to everyone, it never loses its value. And it'll have an effect upon the elect. Now, let me, and I won't hold you much longer. Let me give you an example. So, God calls a group out of Egypt. They go through the wilderness journey. They come up to the Kadesh Barnea. And they're looking at the giants. They're looking at the walled cities. And the word of God did not have effect upon the unbelievers. The word of God only had an effect upon Joshua and Caleb. The rest died in the wilderness. That's exactly like you and I. The word of God has taken effect upon us. The message does mean something to us. Don't condemn someone because they can't see. They can only see what God allows them to see. But why are we here? There were many that looked at this message. You know, Oral Roberts looked right at this message. Billy Graham, greatest so-called evangelist of, of our time, looked right at the message and don't see it. But you're here. You see it. Because it had an effect upon the elect. You say, well, I was born in a message family. Many were born in a message family and didn't see it. See, but the Holy Spirit has revealed these truths to us. That the word of God, and this message is the word of God. It is the word of life. It has all the vindications of the word of life. Do you believe that? So there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one because they can't work apart from each other. So Brother Branham simply would say now, if the Holy Spirit wrote the Word, then he'll amen the Word. If he's the author of the word, then it can't contradict because it's all tied together. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? It's a great revelation. It's simple, but it's the spirit of truth. It's bringing forth a word bride, bringing forth a word to each age. Amen. Ain't that wonderful? Every one of us need to have discernment. Say, God, the Holy Spirit will never leave the word. It'll never contradict, only my understanding. But I'm safe as long as I always believe the word. We all want eternal life. We are safe here. Brother Branham said we are fortified by the word of God. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to stop right there. Good Lord willing, we'll pick up next week. Lord willing, if we're, if we're here, I'm just going to stop right Every week in September, we'll be here on Tuesday, good Lord willing. Then we're going to break on uh, October. We have special meetings, and I'm going to New Zealand, Lord willing. So we'll uh, take a little break there in October, then we'll pick it up when we get back. So everybody love the Lord. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. How many appreciate the Word of God? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, our hearts are happy, Lord, as we just walk through the scriptures and see you just unveil yourself from Genesis to Revelations. And Lord, we realize, Father, that it's your grace why you've called us and it's your grace that we see what we see because you told Peter, blessed are the things that you see. It comes from heaven. And we're grateful for it, Lord. Help us to keep the right attitude towards your word. And help us to prove these things, whether they be so. Prove all things by the word. 
We ask, Lord, you continue to reveal yourself. Continue to bless our hearts, Lord, as we hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, I pray, Lord, would, would you help us, each and every one of us, have a better life of devotion, a better prayer life, and a better time of meditating upon the Scriptures. Help us, each and every one. Speak to our hearts daily, Lord. It's our daily bread. And I pray even our young people, bring forth that revival, that revival of life, Lord, and may it just spread out and bear fruit, Lord, to bring forth glory to you. We love you. We thank you, Father, for everyone that's pushed out. I pray the angels of God would go with each and every one, protect them on their way home. May we meditate upon these things. Go back and look over these things in the scriptures. And may we retain the things that we have heard. May it be written upon the tables of our heart. We love you with all of our hearts. Forgive us of all of our wrong. Bless our future. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am blessed. I'm so blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm so blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, or I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. One more time. Oh, we're so blessed. We are blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, or I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. God bless you all. Have a good evening.